This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, it's C Sparky Fiber, twelve fifty a.m. The Fan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Follow me at Sparky Radio. We've got our guy Dwight Albert, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. You can follow him. On Twitter at Dewey300. And of course, our guy Phil Brallo. They call him $2 Phil because he carries $2 bills. That's what he said. Uh, follow him uh, on Twitter, of course, at Brew City Bowling. Joining us uh, for today's podcast, he is Randy Peterson, PBA uh, analyst for Fox Sports. And of course, a bowler in his own right back in the day. Randy, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Sparky. What's up, man? I appreciate you coming on. Uh, lots to talk about. I, I guess I want to start with last week's guest that we had on the show, and uh, we're fortunate to get some pretty cool guests like yourself on here. Uh, and we had Chuck Gardner on, and we were talking to him, uh, the Brunswick ball rep for many years, uh, now with Brunswick Youth America. And he was talking about the the duty of a ball rep uh, and kind of the responsibilities. And we are talking about how, uh, in his mind, it was more about the psychological thing and, and keeping the bowlers kind of in the moment and not getting too over-emotional one way or the other. How was it for you when you were bowling? What did you want from your ball rep? Um, well, we didn't really have a lot of ball reps back in, in uh, my heyday. Um, I remember uh, when I was on Brunswick staff working with just one guy, and that was Ray Edwards. And then uh, when I went to Storm, it was Chris Schlemmer. Um, but, uh, I think that for me, um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted the, uh, like the Intel on, on what was working in terms of lane play and, um, you know, the psychological part of it, I was probably okay with, but it was like, if I wasn't seeing motion or, or if I needed to create a different motion or play the lanes differently, that, that was kind of invaluable Intel. And that, that's kind of what I looked for. We always hear uh, in different sports, you know, how athletes from a different era would be in the current era, right? We always hear uh, these uh, NBA guys, these old heads, as the current NBA players said, these old heads are just jealous and so forth. They never give us want to give us credit for what we're playing with now with the current rules of the game and so forth. We hear about in golf, uh, about how they've changed uh, the courses because of Tiger Woods and technology and so forth uh, and how golfers of the past would do in this era. How different do you think it would be for bowlers of your era uh, to bowl with guys of this era? And even probably, you know, back in the day too, you know, with uh, Mark Roth and Earl Anthony and even guys back uh, in the day, do you think they would be able to compete at the high level like they did back then now then with these two-handed bowlers uh, and how technology has come? Well, I, I think that the, the playing field gets very narrow. Uh, if you look, if you look at the players uh, from the past, I, I mean, you would certainly have to include Roth, Holman, Anthony, 
Um, but that, that list gets very small compared to the players today. I think the players today are, are much better. Um, I think that uh, they're in better shape. Um, I think that uh, their games are better, uh, more well-rounded. Um, you know, we didn't have all those decision uh, decisions to make back then. You know, this ball, that ball, drilled this way, drilled that way, surface, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, we were kind of limited until kind of the 90s when, you know, reactive resin came out and then, uh, or whenever it was, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and so, but I think as a whole, I think the players are better. And, and I think one of the things that stands out to me is that um, when I watch these guys today, you know, like a Chris Prather and I, and I go, man, he throws it a hundred times better than I ever threw it. Mm -hmm. And I won 13 times. I mean, this guy, I, you know, just, you just watch some of these games and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of in awe as to how good they are. Randy, uh, the PBA likes to recall a lot of memory lane for you with your match between you and Ernie, but do you also have a memory uh, for that? you want to share with the fans listening that was important to you versus the match with Ernie and the cold eight pin, like a certain title that you won. Dwight just sticking it to oh, him right away. Probably, <laughs> probably the, my, my only major, I mean, there was five, there was it ended up being five hall of famers on that show, including myself uh, shot two eighty nine against Marshall and then beat Amleto for the title. Um, it, ironically, um, the first senior event I ever bowled was in Dayton, Ohio. And um, I beat Amleto for that title. And that was my first ever senior event that I competed in after, you know, being out of the game for six or seven years due to knee surgeries. Uh, so I come back, I, I bowled my first ever senior event and I win and I beat Amleto in that. So, but I would say it was probably the major that I won. Hey, Randy, it's $2. Hey, two dollar. What's going on? Not bro? too much, buddy. Hey, get the. I'm glad I get to see you next week. I hear you're doing the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. You're the MC for the PBA, and everybody's gonna be able to watch that live, uh, as it happens. Oh, they're gonna watch it live. Uh oh, I gotta, I gotta start deleting some of my, some of my stuff then. <laughs> so, hey, 23 years on the call for PBA, yeah. and one of the things that people forget about is one of the first national telecasts that you were on wasn't a PBA telecast. And that's where I kind of got my Randy Peterson, where I'm like, this guy's got to be really cool. He's got to be a lot of fun stuff. Remember Rock and Bowl on TNN with mm -hmm. the college kids? I do. That yeah, was a yeah, blast. Was, and that's where I kind of went like, I, I am a Randy fan. Yeah. Chris Hardwick? No, it was no. Uh, it was uh, Gary. Uh, I can't remember. Gary Seibel. Gary Seibel and Randy on the call. It was a bunch of college kids. And it was serious competition, but there were some fun parts in there, like spinning bowl and speed bowling and stuff like that. And Randy knew when to take it serious. And he knew when, to, when, he, when, he, knew when he could have a blast. And that's when I became a Randy Pearson fan. It wasn't it wasn't with the PBA stuff right away. It was rock and bowl. It was pretty mm -hmm. cool. How did how did you get rained into rock and bowl? Uh, the money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was that was like bowling on ecstasy. But you know, they they spent serious some serious dollars on that production. And uh, I mean, the amount of money I was paid to do that was ridiculous. It was like, <laughs> oh my god, I, I finally arrived, and then I have to call this lunacy. Uh, with, you know, bowling on acid and, and it was just, it, but it was a lot of fun, man. I mean, it, it's too bad they didn't bring it back the next year, but, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Gary Seibel is awesome to work with. And, and, you know, we still, we still remain friends to this day. Yeah. If fans haven't 
seen it on YouTube, go look it up, Rock and Bowl, and listen to Gary or Randy on the call and watch these college kids from back in the day. And you, you'll see a couple of familiar names on there through the course of the shows. Those shows were a blast. It was it was serious, but it was fun. And it was, you know, there were times in the competition where, you know, you're watching somebody get spun dizzy and then they have five seconds to throw a bowling ball or speed oh bowling for Lord. 30 seconds for a team. It's a bl- it was so much fun. I, like I said, I wish they would have brought it back. But that's when I became a Randy fan on the call and color commentary. So, yeah, back the then. Only, yeah, the only thing missing was like midget toss or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking with Randy Peterson here on the Spirit Time Bowling Show uh, podcast. Uh, okay, Randy. So, what what is it like working with with Rob Stone? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, this dude's schedule is insane with the soccer coverage that he does, plus uh, with bowling, and uh, obviously quite different than probably other guys with no bowling background. I don't think much uh, uh, at all. What was that relationship like in the beginning when the whole thing started out to where it is now? I mean, from day one, we hit it off. I mean. Um, Rob Stone's a rock star and we're lucky to have him. Um, and, and he genuinely loves doing the bowling. He, I mean, he loves the bowlers. He loves doing the shows and, uh, he does all the heavy lifting, man. It, I, he just makes my life so much easier. And, um, he's just so good and so funny and so witty and, um, and just a smart dude. And, and I, I mean, you know, in, in the years that I've worked with Rob, I've never met one person that didn't like Rob Stone. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's just a, he's just a cool, cool cat and a great guy to work with. I mean, I, he's, he's far and above my favorite, uh, over the 23 years that I've done this. And, you know, that's not a knock against any of the other people I've worked with, but I mean, I just love working with Rob and like I said, he makes my life so much easier. What, what is it like when you guys are out in the different cities and you guys are doing the broadcast as far as fan interaction with him and, and wanting to be around him or whatever the case may be. Well, you and him both, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, like he kind of started this sign thing, you know, if you, yeah. if you make the sign, you'll get on, you'll get on the air. And um, so that's kind of taken a life on uh, a life all, all of itself. And um, you know, he just, he's very creative and he's always, he's always thinking about ways to, you know, to get that interaction and to get more out of the fans and to get them psyched and get them pumped. Like for example, when, you know, we go on our on camera at the start of the show, you know, he was the one that said, Hey man, keep the crowd going, you know, keep them going throughout this whole thing. And it gives it a different atmosphere and a different feel. And that's, you know, that's all Rob Stone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Why my hygienist, Randy, believe it or not, um, uh, is a league bowler at the Howler House of of all places where she bowls. And obviously, April 8th's got a big one coming, and Rob Stone gives the Howler House, we heard it once this year, 
uh, a mention on the show, which we just think it's great that he calls the Howler House his people. Um, have you had a chance to see the inside of the Howler House? I, I did. It's been years and years, uh, years and years ago. I think I signed one of the bricks or something down down mm-hmm. there in the sure. basement. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been years since I've been there. But oh yeah, the the Holler House has adopted Rob, and Rob's adopted the the Holler House. <laughs> If I get down there, I'll show you my wife's bra is hanging from the ceiling, Randy. <laughs> he doesn't get care. Down there so, that's that's got to be pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> How proud you must be, Phil. Hey, I helped. Hey, I helped pin it to the ceiling, man. Got to do what you got to do to keep poor happy. wife. <laughs> Your poor wife. I'm, I'm guessing that that uh, um, she didn't do it voluntarily. That you probably had your hands in the mix of that. Oh no, full no full volunteer, Randy. Full volunteer wow. on her part. Oh yeah. That's impressive. Hey, we got 23 years <laughs> under our belt too, just like you in the PBA. So, you know, nice. doing something you know right. it's the longest tenure, right? I surpassed yes. Bo Burton this year. That's oh, awesome. Congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Thanks. So, that's yeah, Rob awesome. Stone said I didn't think you'd make 23 days, let alone 23. <laughs> so, uh, so, Randy, I got a question for you, and and occasionally the PBA shows a small video of it, but uh, take us back to when you were in Wisconsin and you made the 710 split on tv was that in madison yeah i believe it was yeah you know mark mcdowell curtis odom was on that show and and it was the miller high life uh skills challenger or split challenge or whatever they called it and uh so they had all these splits that we had to shoot at and i think i was skunks going into that i can't remember i may have made the 310 or something i can't remember but um they originally had the 710 as the last uh 10th frame you know uh split and we were like, we, we got to talking with the, you know, the people running it and stuff. We were like, you know, uh, there's no way we're going to make the 710. We can't bounce a pin out of the pit. Why don't you, why don't you make the 710 the ninth frame and the Greek church the 10th frame? And so they did. And I got up and I made it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. What happened in the 10th? <laughs> oh, nobody made the Greek church. Nobody <laughs> made the Greek church yet. It didn't matter really at the end of the day that probably anyhow where they put yeah. a ninth or 10th. Uh, Randy, what about where we are right now with the PBA Tour? We gave Tom Clark a lot of praise uh, back when we started this uh, podcast up uh, again this season as far as how big of a deal really that Fox Sports uh, TV contract uh, is and what it's really meant to the PBA. While ESPN was great, and you could say you were on ESPN, uh, banging your head against the NFL wasn't uh, obviously very fun. Uh, and now having you know the majors on over-the-air TV versus cable is a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the 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 Fox deal is is a godsend and and uh uh just an amazing company to work with and work for and um you know, that 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 was a lot of Rob Stone doing as well and and you know, he even though he went to Fox from ESPN and left us, um he always had one eye on the PBA tour. And you know, he was always that little birdie, you know, in in the ears of, of Fox and you know, and so when they put that deal together, and I was privy to a little bit of it prior to it happening, like you know, hey, this is a possibility, so you know, just stand by. But you know, when it happened, I think that we were all like just head over heels with, with, uh, with joy, and and you know, and looking at potentially what this can mean for our sport. And so it's been a great relationship with them. Um, you know towards the end of the ESPN contract, they didn't really care a whole lot about, you know, bowling and, and what we were doing. So 
Um, I think that it's a great marriage for for both PBA and Fox, and I hope that we can continue there for years. Hey, Randy, back in 1985, you came out on tour. There were PTQs, Rabbit Squads back then. The big thing for a lot of diehard PBA fans here in 2023 is uh, the Rabbit Squads now and how tough they are to get out, out of and that type of thing. It's never been easy to get out on tour. What do you think this year about the limited fields for those classic events and and that type of thing? Is the PBA going in the right direction with that? I mean, I think they're making superstars out there. I think that's the way they should go, is my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. First of all, I don't really know. Uh, I haven't seen any of the info in terms of the upcoming events and, and limited fields, so I'm not real privy to that information, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think that it, 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 on one side, it's okay because it, it does kind of create that elite field. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, on the other hand, I, I mean, you know, I pulled rabbit squads from 81 to, to 85 won the first term of the year in 86 after leading that rabbit squad that first week and went on to win the tournament. And so that my rabbit days were over, thank God, because they were not fun because you missed the rabbit. You're stuck in that city the whole week doing nothing but twiddling your thumbs and scratching your butt. And, um, you know, it, it, so, but I, I, I mean, I kind of like, I kind of like the elite fields, but I also, you know, I, I kind of, it's kind of, I'm kind of torn because you, there's, 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 you could potentially be cutting out some future stars that are, you know, having trouble or struggling to get out there. So, so Randy, so how do you sell the college kids then or that are college bowlers that have aspirations of being on the PBA tour to come give this a try? Because, you know, every other sport you're drafted and then you're getting a paycheck from said team or whatever the case may be while you're doing your development and getting to the level where they want you. And in this deal, you're spending more money than you're probably earning in the beginning. Well, the whole thing is money, right? And um, if the tour could get to a place where the winners are making a lot of money, that that's incentive enough. Um, you know, prior to the limited fields, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but the PBA was using entry fees in an open field to help supply the prize fund. Yeah, there were quite a few years of that where it was a free-for-all, and especially back in the days, boys, some of those U.S. open fields. I remember out in Vegas in 2015 or 2016, Tommy Jones like almost outscored the two other guys on his pair of scratch for the qualifying games. I mean, it was just because it was, hey, help help with the prize fund, guys. You want to enter? You got a 200 average? Come on in. And it just kind of took some of the prestige away with a lot of a lot of those PBA you know, regular events, or in this case with the U.S. Open. Uh, with it just going, hey, everybody come in, pay your money, here we go. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be that way anymore, thanks to the Fox deal and all the sponsors that are coming on board, like Kia and Guaranteed Rate and that. It's been a really great change the last three or four years for the tour. I mean, Kyle Troop makes a half million dollars. I mean, I know Randy, yeah, got, at least right. one, Randy got at least one beer out of that. <laughs> no, I got nothing. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, no, I think we lost Kia, too. I'm not sure. Oh, but, okay. Uh, you know, you know, I, I bowled plenty of U.S. Opens where there was a 400-man field, and, and these amateurs would qualify throughout the country, right? Um, and I remember specifically at, you know, Carolier Lanes telling the other three guys on my pair in game one, hey, I want all of you guys to throw your practice balls up second arrow. <laughs> and we'd come out of the gate with a big game, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of built the cushion. Now you go to the next pair, and you have no idea what's going to happen. It's the U.S. <laughs> Open. They're hard. So – 
Um, but, you know, you had to navigate around these amateurs that had no idea what double jumping means, uh, lane courtesy, that kind of stuff. And you just knew it going in. So you had to be patient. Uh, also, it's a U.S. Open. You have to be patient. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we don't see those sides of fields now. And, um, again, you know, getting back to using entry fees to, to supplement uh, prize fund apparently is, is kind of gone. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing because now that means that the money's coming from somewhere else, and that would be sponsorship. You guys do a great job on the show. Um, big fans, uh, including an old guy like me, to my daughter, who's the future PBA fan, uh, my daughter Ashley. She just loves watching the telecast. It, would there be one thing that you'd like to see different on the shows? Um, gosh. I mean, we're, we're just, you know, our rundowns and our, our, our uh, production sheets, they're, they're kind of all looking the same. And, and, you know, the question is, well, you know, what do you do? You know, stepladder finals was created specifically for television. Um, I think that, when you have that time constraint that there's not a lot of options, right? So like, for example, I'd like to see where the number one seed, um, if he lost game one, could get a game two, uh, you know, you know, best of two. Um, and if they tie, you know, have a ninth and 10th frame roll off or whatever, and, you know, kind of given showing a little love to that tournament leader, but it's impossible to do because if the tournament leader wins game one, he wins the tournament. Mm -hmm. Now you have 20 minutes you have to fill. It just doesn't work. You know, if there was a way to figure out something like that, that would be kind of cool. Um, I like the stepladder finals because if the number five seed starts going up the ladder. You kind of have this underdog that you're rooting for, right? And, and then you kind of stay tuned because you want to see if you can actually run the ladder. And, and so that's kind of cool. But, I mean, I, I, again, I think that we're kind of handcuffed in a way because of the time mm -hmm. and you know you can come up with all these different scenarios but you know like i said how do you how do you go about filling 20 minutes if something comes to an end early that's a great point talking with randy peterson a pba fox sports analyst here on the spare time bowling show download of course spare time bowling show podcast anywhere you download your favorite podcast at uh, randy do you think that the pba uh, bowlers are marketed uh, as well as they could be. Obviously, you know, we have Jason Belmonte, who is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, and as far as his marketing, his brand, and, and creating his own brand and, and taking it to a whole nother level. And I see kids all over uh, and adults going to two-handed bowling. So that that's his own phenom, kind of like Jordan or Tiger Woods, I guess, to a certain degree as far as what he's been able to do from a marketing aspect. But as far as the rest of these guys um, and, and how they're put out there, is there anything more, do you think, uh, that the tour could do or Fox could do to help promote these guys? Well, you know, Belmonte's marketing is all him. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. You know, he created his brand. He, he, he does all of it. Yep. And obviously he's done a hell of a job. I mean, you know, this guy is a marketing genius and he's, he's, you know, he's made all the right moves. Um, can there, can there be more done for certain? Absolutely. Um, the question is, you know, how do you go about it and who's going to do it? You know, I think to a certain degree, the players have to kind of take the onus on it and, and say, hey, you know, I'm going to try to to put myself out there a bit more. I'm going to come up with this or that. And, you know, all the social media platforms is great. But, I mean, you got, you know, Kyle Troop does a little bit of it. and um, But, yeah, I mean, 
I, I think, you know, I think the, the big pressing issue is how do we get more money into the sport? You know, this, I got to tell you this, this upcoming event that we're doing this NASCAR event, you know, the two most loyal fan base in sports is NASCAR and, and the PBA in bowling. And, um, you know, NASCAR's got a crap ton of sponsors. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe there's a way where the PBA could get into bed with NASCAR and we could, you know, maybe some of their sponsors could bleed over into the PBA tour. But, you know, the, the issue for me is, and I, I've been associated with the PBA tour for 43 years. I started in 81 and the issue has always been the same, whether it was guys sitting around a round table after qualifying, having a beard, talking this, talking, but the issue has always been the same and it's been money. You know, when, are, when are these guys, when are we, when are we all going to start bowling for some real money? And, and that, that's kind of been the focal point of all the conversations throughout the years. You know, you bring up NASCAR and I used to do a racing show for, I don't know, 12, 13 years, whatever the case was, been in many NASCAR races. And the one thing about NASCAR races is, and the sponsorship is, well, you have diecast cars that they sell. And then for every race, seemingly there's a different uh, paint scheme with different sponsors on it. And then those sponsors that are on those paint schemes can be sold on those diecast cars or on jackets or t-shirts or whatever the case may be. And they have haulers uh, for each race car driver. And then the race car drivers come out uh, at different times and do autograph signings at those haulers for free where people can come up and get their autographs and so forth. And there's that, that fan interaction. And, and I realize it costs money and I'm sure if Tom Clark's listening to this, like, yeah, fine, go, go ahead, find me the money to spend to do that, what you want to do. But it, it would kind of be cool if there was like a, a said PBA hauler where you had all the different PBA merchandise that, that fans could buy when they go to PBA events during the course of a week or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then have different bowlers come out and do autograph signings at different times uh, throughout the event for nothing. And I, I think that would probably help it to a certain degree. Uh, and now again, as far as getting it to that next level, um, you know, of Jordan and, and Belmonte and stuff like that, that's probably not going to happen, but the more sponsors that can be involved, that can be on merchandise that's being sold. I, I think that probably would help as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. And I, I would love to see, a PBA merchandise booth hanging uh, Belmonte jerseys and, and Troop jerseys and Prather jerseys yep. and Ite Tackett jerseys. And, um, you know, I, I think all of that would be pretty awesome. But I, I think, guys, one of the biggest things that was missed many, many years ago on the PBA tour was that they made it to where the players were too accessible. And what I mean by that is, okay, so the PBA comes rolls rolls into town. I just bowled a pro am. I got paired with Walter Ray. I got his autograph. Okay, it's not that big a deal. I could walk down in the settee area while they're qualifying and get his autograph. We've been way too accessible for too long, so it's not a big deal anymore, right? I mean, Belmonte is because he's on TV all the time. You're talking one guy now, Troop, all right, maybe two guys. You know, it, it's and throw Tackett in there. I think they really missed the boat when they made the players so accessible to the public, you know? So there, there really isn't that off factor anymore. Is there? Well, I don't I mean, know. Like, 
you, you go to you go to a NASCAR event. The winner does donuts in the infield. You don't see the fans coming out on the onto the track in the infield and celebrate with the winner with the winning racer. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and if and if he does hang out afterwards, there's only a, a few chosen people that get an autograph. Same thing in the PGA Tour. You got some guys that come out and sign some sign some hats and some signs, and you got guys that never do it. You know, and, and like uh, was watching, uh, I can't remember if it was Riviera or what it was, the last event Tiger played in, and you know, there's this this uh, this this small child that's holding up a sign, bucket list, get a heart transplant, meet Tiger Woods, and his caddy actually uh, alluded to that and said, "Hey, Tiger, check this out." And Tiger went over and. You know, they had a little little small conversation, and she could check that off her bucket list. So I think that um, it's probably too late to do any of that now. But you know, I think that's one of the things that I think we missed along the way was making our players too accessible. Well, the other thing I think that comes along with this is good guy, bad guy. I mean, NASCAR's never had a problem with that. You've always had uh, your good guy and your bad guy, uh, and rivalries within the sport. And I think. Rash and Belmonte, I think that was great for the sport uh, as those two guys, you know, had their rivalry going for so many years. And I, I think that's the the type of good thing that, that can happen in a sport. Now, you can't manufacture it. You can't ask guys to be fake. You can't create stuff. Right. Fans will look right through that, obviously. But that type of stuff is good. Like, people love to hate Kyle Busch in NASCAR, right? Mm-hmm. People hated Jeff Gordon when Dale Earnhardt Sr. was alive. Uh, and racing, everybody rooted against Jeff Gordon. He didn't do anything, but that's just what it was. That's how it, it kind of right. festered itself. And right now, in my opinion, you got a bunch of good dudes, good young guys uh, that everybody likes, and seemingly everybody uh, gets along with each other for the most part. And you really don't have that big rivalry, at least not on TV. Not on TV. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we and we lost Pete Weber. Right. <laughs> so you have no one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I agree that that rivalry between Rash and Belmonte was awesome and. Um, you know, well documented, but that's gone by the wayside. That that's not even an issue anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think rivalries are great in sports. Yeah. On the other hand, not to disagree with you, but my daughter and I were in the crowd for the doubles event over at Bolero. Uh, I talked to you afterwards for a few minutes, and that stands were full. We heard a story of eight guys that drove up that morning from Ohio. Um, I think the PBA is regenerating itself with new younger fans. I think it's an exciting time to be a PBA fan. Do you ever see them ever going back to like an auditorium or a, a Coliseum setting like it was in the late nineties, early two thousands as the numbers are starting to grow? Um, great question. However, based on ownership, I, I don't really see that in the future. However, I mean, we are doing this thing in the barn, right? Right. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, the corporation that owns us owns bowling centers. Right. So how does it benefit them so, to go put it in a stadium or correct. something like that from that perspective? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Right now, now, you know, in the foreseeable future, could, could we have one or two? Absolutely. But again, I, I, hard to say, you know, you still have to put asses in the seats and, um, you know, uh, you, you, if you're going to do this, you better make sure that you pick the right venues, you know, Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, Detroit, uh, you know, I mean, you got to pick the right place, New Jersey, you better pick the right place. Hey, Erie, Randy. Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah. of all places, go back to Erie. What do you think would happen? Oh, sellout. <laughs> absolute sellout. 
no doubt about it. Hey, Randy. Problem for the sport is those aren't big markets, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think you have to go to, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking this. I don't think you have to go to American Family Field in Milwaukee where the Brewers play in order to go to a, quote, stadium. I mean, you could go to the Al McGuire Center in Milwaukee mm-hmm. that holds like 5,000 or 6,000 people right. and do it there. Or right. UW, or Milwaukee Panther Arena, the old Mecca where the Bucks used to play back in the day, that's like 8,000 right. people or something, right? I mean, you could still be in a bigger venue than a bowling alley without having to fill 40,000 seats and making you look empty on TV. Because I was in, I was involved with uh, the one that was at Miller Park years ago. Um, and that was cool. And there were people in the seats for sure, but there was no way you were ever going to fill that venue. There's way too many, way too many open seats. Right. I, I think we did do a show at the, the place you're talking about. I think it was yep. called the Verizon center prior. Yeah. It was the third year of the masters. It was in the arena. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. I was at that one as well. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't remember the size of the, of the, of the fan base, but. Um, that, that would be a better venue than Miller Park for sure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Randy, Bowlers Journalist Month had a thing about historical PBA centers, things that had great notability happen, like Gable House Bowl with Pete McCordick's 300, and Pete's going in the Hall of Fame next week as well. What's one bowling center you still get to go to in your travels with Fox and the TV shows where you walk in that center and you just get the warm fuzzies and go, man, this is this is my second home. You still got a center on tour you get to hit with that and get those warm fuzzies? Uh well, I would probably go Riviera. Yep. Um, probably Riviera. Okay. You know, because I pulled my first TSC in 86. Yep. You know, and that whole experience with the dinner at the Tangiers and, you know, limited field of 52 or whatever it was, yep. 48, whatever. Um, you know, everybody's a champion, the small locker room. Of course, today that locker room would have never worked based on the amount of bowling balls people carry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, uh, there wasn't an empty seat in the stands. Right. Still and, uh, yeah. and walking into that place was pretty spectacular. I mean, you know, through these doors walked the greatest bowlers, mm-hmm. uh, in the world. And, and I mean, it was just, so I would, I would probably say Riviera. Okay. Uh, as a person, uh, that watches on TV and has never been to this venue, but want to go, can you tell me about what I call bowling heaven? Portland, Maine, mm. Bayside Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think the fans kind of make that right. Yep. I mean, you know, their enthusiasm and and uh, <clears throat> the the outfits and and the craziness. I mean, uh, that that's what really makes that event. You know, and obviously Portland, Maine's a pretty cool place, but um, it's the fans that kind of make that happen. Yeah. You know, one thing I see about Portland too is how the fans once all the, everybody sees the groudiness on TV and everything. When they get a chance to, like you said, get a little access to the bowlers, and there's there's a little bit of access there because it's a team event and a large space, the two separate parts of the centers, how these fans become bowlers and then want to pick the PBA bowlers' brain so they get better. It's so cool to see that. You don't see that a lot of prime events. A lot of prime events that say I, they try to show off, you know, the amateurs try to show off a little bit. These 
PBA fans in Portland, they want to learn more about the sport and they want to get better. And the and I've seen a lot of the pros sit around and and not have a clinic out on the lanes or something, but they'll talk to people about you know what they've sure. seen out there and that kind of it, it, it's different than what I've seen at, at quite a few other people. You're not spots. getting that in NASCAR. Nobody's jumping mm-hmm. into a car and you're well, showing them how to race a NASCAR. But I mean, that's the difference, right? Yeah. In this sport versus others in tennis, that type of stuff. Right. I don't think happens in tennis. No. Tiger isn't out there right. with the gallery showing them how to fix their drive. Yeah. I mean, that that is right. the uniqueness of the sport, Randy. Right. Well, I mean, you know, they do, you know, the golfers do do private clinics mm-hmm. and I'm guessing you probably have to pay, pay a pretty penny oh, yeah. to get into that. Uh, but at an event, no, I mean, you're not going to see that at an event. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, bowling has taken on uh, a new life in Portland, Maine. And, and you know, they have, you know, the, these leagues or, or the league where, you know, there's a waiting list to get in and uh, they all have jerseys and, you know, nicknames. And I remember uh, we we'd lost our, uh, um, our, our scorekeeper for the booth. And so they basically employed one of the league bowlers in Portland, Maine, a local, and his nickname was Double Cheese mm-hmm. uh, or, yeah. double, or Double Cheese Burger. Oh, uh, oh my God. I've done some stuff with Double and, Cheese and I've been out there. Double Cheese, I think. And, and he was great. And, you know, he was so nervous. And I, and I looked at him and I said, whatever you do, don't F this up. <laughs> and, you know, he, like gave me a look. And, and then I said, now, listen, whatever you write down, it's kind of like Ron Burgundy. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, anything you write down, I'm going to say, you better make sure it's right. <laughs> and he, so he was, and then I looked at him and said, bro, I'm just kidding. Relax. And uh, no, we had a great time and he did a great job, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, they kind of reinvented bowling in a way where they made, they, they kind of made, uh, made it a fan spectacle, right? I mean, the fans are so into it and dressing up and, having cocktails and tailgating and, you know, and, and they kind of, kind of made it uh, a, a blueprint for how the fans should be at a bowling event. Exactly. And I think Milwaukee kind of took a little bit on that. Uh, they, they took a little bit of that on last season when we were in Milwaukee, I think the fans in Milwaukee were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Randy Peterson on Twitter, not verified. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know how you go about getting. I'm not real good with social media, but uh, I've got like fourteen thousand yeah. followers. I'm not, but I, I don't know. T- I don't even us, know how you do it. Tell us about the the handle at Stone Eight RP. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's uh, Stone Eight R. It's actually Stone Eight RP at Twitter.com. Uh, right. Yeah, at Stone Eight RP. So, so how did you come up with at Stone Eight RP? <laughs> uh, it, it well, it. I'm mostly remembered for leaving a solid eight against that asshole. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. In the I know we did. I just was, I just was interested. I know it was Rob hey, Stone and him. Or, he's got a Stone well, Eight, he's got a Stone eight clothing line too, now, too. He's got T-shirts with the saying he has on TV. You can get a T-shirt with Slicker in his pocket. Oh, there there you yeah. go for the PBA truck. There you go. Yeah. Randy yeah. Peterson T-shirt. Well, go ahead. Promote away, Randy. We're trying to get this, this T-shirt line going, you know, with my with my Randyisms, and um, <laughs> it's kind of in the works. And you know, we had some 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 you know some artist renderings, and you know, just slapping the the uh, you know the catchphrases on there. And so we're trying to get that going. 
Um, and I think it'd kind of be fun to have some of the fans and, yeah. and wearing that on the shows and whatnot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to order. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, so, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm still in therapy over that stone age. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> funny that you're still remembered by that. And I, I mean, I even have people coming up, man, I remember when you left that stone nine and I go, uh, uh no, it was no. an eight pin. Yeah. Then you have to correct them. Be like, no, sorry, you're wrong, yeah. wrong guy. That was Roth. That wasn't me. Uh, Randy yeah. Peterson, follow him on Twitter at stone eight RP. Randy, uh, thanks so much, man. Enjoy watching you on the telecast on Fox sports you and, uh, Rob stone. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on again in, in the future. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys down the road. Uh, $2, Phil. Um, keep those $2 bills coming, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. I'll see you, I'll see you in uh, Fairlawn this next week. And I got your Bowl Wisconsin T-shirt packed in my luggage already. So I love ha- it. I'm going to hand that over for you. It's awesome. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Randy Peterson, Fox Sports PBA analyst, joining us here on the Spare Time Bowling Show podcast. Uh, now, I, I'm not going to tell Randy this, but the, <laughs> the guy that gets Randy more than anybody on this show is definitely Dwight. Nobody gets a bigger kick out of no. Randy Peterson on TV. Right, like right. Dwight gets every Randy joke, <laughs> loves every Randy joke. Must be the age thing. I don't know what, it, but you love you love. Well, your he son. just mentioned yes. it at the very end. His Randyisms, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for as soon as that website opens. I'm waiting for for Dwight to just sell it out. He's gonna buy yes. one of every T-shirt all the way down. <laughs> every line. week when we do the Slick- podcast, he'll be wearing a different right. one. Slicker in Irish pocket, dirtier the truck stop bathroom. Right. I mean, all of them. Yeah, it's, they're all gonna be <laughs> right. on, at one point in time. On I Dwight. threw the ball so far right, I got. A hamburger, I came back with steak, oh you know, stuff God. like that. Almighty. But I mean, see, in that, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody in a negative it, light. So I'm going I'm to try and do this as yeah. this is this, this broadcast team, yes, Stoney Peterson is much different than what it was with Bo Burton back in the day, oh, right? It, it, it was it, so it's, serious. It's, it's right, yeah. correct. That's that's my yeah. point. Like back then, it was bowling and yes. analyzing, and it was the drama, right? That's what right. it was. And now it's entertainment. You're right. Yeah. It's the, the humor the side, the, com- yeah, the comedy side of it. Right. I mean, it makes you laugh. It makes me laugh. Well, look back <laughs> in the day. Look at the pinfall they had, old hard rubber balls and stuff like that. The pins just kind of, and they went down. You got a mixer strike. It was kind of like, now you got pins flying airborne all the way across the pin deck on a messenger and stuff like that. Yeah. And that should be exciting and celebrated. That should yes. be where, yeah, right, now, right. you know, knock it down. And The beer frame. I mean, right, that, right. that's added to uh, the element of the it, entertainment uh, as well. Again, I, I keep saying it's a great and cool time to be a PBA fan. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Yeah. And my, my thing is, and it's still going to continue to be the thing, of how do you get these college bowlers to want to pursue this? Yes. You have going, to have that future. How do you, how do you get them to continue it on? Because yeah. as we've been talking about how difficult it is to get in he, he, and there should be a level of difficulty, right? Yeah. I mean, just because you get drafted in the amateur draft in baseball yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to play in the major leagues at any point in your life. Right. There are plenty of people that get drafted in the second, third round that never make it to the major leagues. Some don't even make it to triple a yeah. and they're long gone and never heard from again. And they right. play three, four years in the minors and they never get there. But, but again, to me, the difference is they're getting paid. Very little money, very little money. Some sleeping in cars and so forth. Yeah, very little money, but they get paid and they they play what they they play their sport, what they want to do. They're not necessarily spending more than they're making. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe some of these guys are if they're if they're staying in apartments and paying for apartments or whatever. But with bowling, I mean, you're taking a college kid that more than likely still has college tuition to pay for, whatever the case may be, can have a job. 
if you're traveling around the country all year doing bowling events. Right. So you can forget that. So where's the money coming from that they're using in order to pay for this? Now you're talking about, okay, well, I have to find sponsors. Right. Okay. Well, how hard is it to find a sponsor to help cover costs and so forth? I don't think that's easy either. No, no. I mean, one of the guys that's best at marketing himself is Sean Rash. You look at his jersey this year. It's Ray's Eyewear and Arnicare and this and this and this. Smoke. And he's, and he's going out and he's hustling all this stuff. And he's one of the top five names on tour. Yes. You're Joe Smith coming out of college and you're trying to drum up that kind of sponsorship. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I it, keep thinking of one name when we keep you guys keep talking about this. And and the one name is Michael Fagan. Oh, yeah. You know, Ken Swain. Yeah. You know, um, God, there's a guy that had a great physical game. Mm -hmm. The big match against Pete Weber on TV. Who do you think you are? I am. Yep. You know, match and then he goes back and leaves the tour to become a lawyer, I believe. Or no, he well, he went back for finance. He's now helping uh, right. uh, Robbie Spikner run a bunch of bowling centers up in uh, Minnesota, like a ten center chain. I loved Fagan. Mm -hmm. yeah. I loved covering Fagan back in the day. He was a great interview, great dude. Like right, but there's a guy yeah. that left the PBA for maybe security, security, financial reasons. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And now again, these prize funds are getting larger. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's not like we're going backwards. We're not going Correct. backwards. We're going it's, forward. It's right. growing. We just yes. had Tom Clark on. He said they're, they're in the process of negotiating a new deal uh, with Fox and, and trying to hammer this out. That's key. Right. Yep. I mean, you can't go from Fox and end up on, with all due respect, CBS Sports Network. Right. Like you can't do that. You okay. can't go from over the air TV and then take a step backwards, because if you do that, Obviously, it's going to hurt sponsorship. It's going to hurt popularity. It's going to hurt a lot of things. So now that you're at this level, now you can only go backwards, essentially, because it's going to be hard going forward when you already have all your majors on over-the-air TV. So now it's, I got to maintain the stability of where we are and keep it here as long as possible. And at the same aspect, continuing to grow that younger audience mm -hmm. and build it so you have a fan base. Because we talk about all the time, when you, when you were growing up, you knew there was bowling on you know, on, on the weekends or whatever right. that you would get to you watch forward to it. Right. Right. And you get done in your bowling league and then you'd, you'd right watch, home bowling. watch TV. Right. Right. Every week. And that's how it was. Now. I don't know if that's necessarily the case as much anymore. No. And you got to kind of figure out how to grow that fan base. Well, and to go over to the women's side of the equation coming up on Sunday, the 12th, we're going to have that NASCAR thing. You're going to have Verity right. Crawley on there. You're going to have Daria Payak on there. PWBA bowlers with the PBA. And if somebody tries to become a fan of them, they see, hey, I want to learn more about them. I want to watch them more on TV. You may have opportunities you're going to have to watch them on TV this year for women bowling. If you're lucky, three. If they make three shows, there's three PWBA shows on CBS Sports Network coming up this season. And the rest of it's all going to be on bowl TV if you want to watch the women. They used to have a lot more on CBS Sports mm -hmm. Network. And then that's pulled, obviously, the pandemic dinged them a bit on that. And it's been a hard recovery for the women to come back with more TV shows. And a lot of that's because it's subsidized by the USBC and the Bowling Proprietors Association of America. You also have to draw people to watch it. Right. Money again. Uh, what were the oh, ratings yeah. when they were on CBS a lot? Were they, Does CBS were, even have ratings? What kind? Oh, sure. I'm okay. sure they do. There's a way but, to find them. But yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, like, what were the numbers for when ESPN had the PBA tour? I remember talking to Tom Clark, like, what are we doing? Like, Going straight up against the NFL, I get it. That's PBA, and he'd be like, "So I've got a one share. Like that's crazy. That's yeah. really good against that behemoth NFL." Yeah. And so, from that aspect, it made sense why ESPN just left it there because you're going against the NFL on a noon slate. That's tough, and it makes sense why the Fox would be would buy in, looking at what they were doing against them, going, "Well, what if they weren't going against them? What would their numbers be?" So that all comes down to it as well. If nobody's watching. They don't want you back. They may right. love you. They may think you're great people, but they ain't bringing you back if you're not drawing numbers. Yeah. And it's not so all the numbers. Yeah.
because you got to be able to sell numbers, right? Yes, at the end yeah. of the day, that, that's what it is. Yeah. Dwight Aubrey, follow him on Twitter at Dewey 300. He is $2 Phil. Follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling. Follow me, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, at Sparky Radio. We do it each and every Monday. Well, for the most part, last week we recorded late in the week because I was in the Dells. But for the most <laughs> part, uh, it's every Monday we record and then we post it either Monday night, Tuesday morning, always there for you. And then all week long, check it out and give it a listen. Uh, again, Spare Time Bowling Show. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one again. Thanks to Randy Peterson, PBA Fox Sports Analyst, for joining us here. And thanks for Phil for setting that one up. Have a good one. Toodle.